Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. My guest today is someone I have the great pleasure of working with uh, in normal times for about half the year every year for the past five years. Uh, although I haven't seen you in a, quite a while. Uh, this person is uh, truly brilliant in so many different ways. Uh, a remarkable uh, actor and singer and, and thinker and writer. And uh, it's just a pleasure to have Condola Rashad on the show. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad we finally got here. We've been trying to get on this for a while. We were just playing, um, playing tag. Oh. Oh, it was crazy. No, it was, uh, there was a lot going into getting us to be able to do this. And I had wanted, of course, to do it in person since there's so many opportunities for us to sit down, but at least now, also, at least now it's, it's, uh, it's happening and it's a, it's a good time for it because I, I do find your presence in the world really inspiring right now because you're, to me, it seems, and tell me if this is right. I mean, it seems you're a realist, meaning you're able to take in what's actually happening, understand all the ramifications but then it seems to me you do try out of the sort of the despair that you witness, see, feel, you try to spin into a kind of positivity and a galvanizing sort of force, it, it feels like. Absolutely. I would say I'm a realistic optimist. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think it's just because I do believe that for change to occur... For me personally, even like, for example, even when it comes, okay, I am a firm believer that, you know, change starts on the inside and then and then comes to the outside, right? So like when it comes to things that I even needed to change within myself and in periods of my life, I needed to feel positivity in order to do that. I needed to feel like there was something positive on the other side, which moved me to that change. So if it's just coming from, and everybody has their own right to express how they express, but if, if, if you're only, if you're only feeling the weight, you have to feel the weight in order to move. But if you don't believe that there's anything great on the other side, then what's the point in changing? That's how I look at it. So I kind of feel like you have to believe that there is something better all the time or else why, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we fighting anything if we don't believe that it can be done? You see, you just proved my thesis about your brilliance right there in your first answer. That was awesome. Uh, because yeah, oftentimes I think we, many of us believe that change only comes when we get when we, when we get uncomfortable enough mm-hmm. that we have to make a shift. But the second piece of that is seeing the reason, not just the negative, but really um, imagining yourself, the world, the situation on the other side and how much positivity you can attach to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, it's both, right? Yeah, so you reach the point of being like, okay, we're, this is a very uncomfortable, necessary moment. And out of that, how do we move from that? It's got to be rooted in positivity. I, I personally think, you know, so yeah. What's the, what's the way by which, cause you're somebody who's, I had this as a question to ask you later, but since you brought this up in a way, um, what's the way by which you track where you have to go and make these changes? Cause it does seem like this music, this incredible m- music project, uh, that's out now, mm-hmm. Sp- uh, space, space, um, space daughter, mm-hmm. space daughter, yeah. What your mother used to call you, right? Space daughter. You used to call me space child, yeah. So oh, then yeah. I kind of changed it into space daughter, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I couldn't remember space child or space daughter, but <laughs> um, but you know, you started imagining that and what it was going to be a while ago, yeah. And you even dropped hints to Dave and me about yeah. what you were doing and how you were doing it without being <laughs> super specific. But you let us know what was going on, but. But my question is like, what's the method by which you check in with yourself and then plot the course forward? Because you've made huge shifts, Condola. And I, it, it doesn't seem to me that those are shifts that can happen without so much rigor and thought. Yeah. yeah um, thank you for saying that. It, it did take a lot of rigor. <laughs> um, basically... You know, my first expression as an artist was always music. A lot of people just didn't know that. Um, And so that has always been at the root of my being, actually. And I was only just waiting. Uh, I made a decision. I was in in an indie rock band a while back, like 2012, called Condola and the Stoop Kids. And we were, you know, we were this underground, (laughs) underground New York band. We had like a residency at pianos and stuff. It was really great, wonderful stuff. Um, But I, I, I hit a moment where... Um, I was doing Romeo and Juliet on Broadway and I was recording the album at the same time with the band. So I would leave the theater to go to the studio 
And I was young at that time. I was like, oh, I'm still young. Excuse me. But I was much younger. Yes, I was going to say, please. <laughs> I was much younger. Um, and so basically, I, I had this moment of clarity while I was doing that, that I was packing on too much at the time. I was very young. Um, both my acting career and my music, they were both, everything was very young. And I realized that I was, I was going to be doing myself a disservice to try and build both of the careers at the same time, at that time. So I realized, okay, I think I have to make a choice here. I think I have to, um, I think I just need to take focus in one place for a little bit. And then when the time is right, I'll be able to allow the other to, to kind of come forward. And my acting career was farther along and it made more sense at the time. So I was still making music the whole time, but in terms of pursuing it as a part of my career, I decided to just take a, a, a go, you know, kind of take a pause. It, like literally, Brian, that was like that was like almost a, like a couple of months before Billions came. As soon as I made room, as soon as I made room for for there to be growth and progress, Billions came. A bunch of the other films that I've been working on came. So it's like I just needed to make space. And then about uh, in 2018, in the summer of 2018, my sister, who's my sister, who actually is the real Kate Sacker. I tell you guys about her all the time. She's the attorney. So like yes. she actually is like the biggest fan of my music. And so she actually kind of called me out. She was like, all right, girl, like, I don't know. Like you said a couple years, it's been like four or five. So like, where's the music at? Wow. And I was kind of like, you know what? You're right. Like, and also I just felt authentically and organically it was time. And I was like, yeah, it is time. It's time to, to reveal myself as the musical artist that I am. So I, I went into the studio and I, and I, um, I, there were two, there were two main, um, things that, that, that drove me in terms of how to create this project. One was, uh, Space Daughter kind of came and then I created the music for it. And after I created the music for it, when I was listening to the music, all of a sudden I heard and saw a visual conceptual piece. That's I, I was like, oh, well, oh that came second. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. 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 I made the music and then I was like, oh, um, <laughs> oh, this is what this wants to be. OK, got it. Like, yeah, it, it, it was it was. And I started to see all like I, I conceived all of the videos. So I knew how it operated and I knew which one was first and knew which one was second. I knew the order. Um, I knew the color scheme. I, it just, it was very clear to me. Um, so I decided that, um, and, and also it, it actually lent itself very well to what my, uh, to kind of what I wanted to do in the sense where, you know, okay. I talk about this often. There's this weird double standard. I think it's starting to actually eliminate itself finally, but there is this very strange double standard where like when an artist is perceived as a singer, for example, and then they start acting, that is often more well received than when it's the opposite for some reason. I don't know why, but it's like, oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah it's like, oh, Oscars, like, oh, amazing, amazing, amazing. But then when someone is perceived as an actor, actually reveals that they have a musical talent it's often passed off as cute like oh I'm cute she really have a little single how cute you know what I mean like there's something yes. very it's super double standardy so like um I kind of was like yeah I'm not gonna play that game though because this is not like a hobby like this actually is like right. this is like my artistry so like I'm not gonna do that so what I decided to do in doing it this way in creating this visual EP I actually created um, a vehicle for my music utilizing visuals, which is what people know me for to begin with. So people know me as an actor. So I decided like, I'm actually not going to run away from that. And I'm actually going to utilize that as a vehicle to show my music. <laughs> so Well, yeah, you showed yourself as an actor and also as a dancer, right? So yeah, we put yeah. all this stuff together in a way. Yeah. And as a creative force as a director. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> How did you make the decision? Like, uh, uh, so many things are occurring to me as I'm hearing you talk. It's, it's all amazing hearing you talk about this. When when you say you're making those decisions, are you writing stuff down for yourself? I know you're writing the songs down and you're writing down the, the treatments for the videos, but are you journaling? Are you talking to, you talk to your sister? Are you talking to other people? Like, because it seems like as you like realize these things in stages and you set plans in motion, like I know for me, I'm journaling all the time and, and it's a huge way that I keep track of where I really am. Like, so- how do you keep track of where you are in this when you're going through stuff like this? Or is it all just in your head and you're talking to yourself, hoping you don't forget it? I kind of do talk to myself quite a bit. <laughs> I will admit huh. that. I will admit that. Um, but I think I, what I what I did, and I have a couple of videos that I will share eventually. I actually did like a video log sometimes where I'd be like, all right, this is the day ah, that I'm doing sure. this. And this is the day that I'm doing that. And this is how I'm feeling today. And I actually, I found one the other day that I actually was like, oh man, I'm so glad that I recorded that. It was when I was in the editing uh, 
I was in, I was in editing for, cause that's the thing, you know, we, we shot these videos and that was a huge undertaking. We, we shot these videos in five days the whole project we did it in five days. That's amazing. Um, and so like when we finished that, there was this sense of like, yay, we did it. But because this was my first time directing, I, I didn't realize like, no, 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 you did half of it. Like now you go into editing. That's like a whole other oh, that, thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know, you know, I never directed anything. But I had such clarity, so I actually found that I have a knack for it when I have clarity about something. Of course you would, yes. A whole other thing. So I was like really, you know, but there, I, I made this video during the editing process and it was so, I was, I'd forgotten that it had happened. So I'm so glad that I logged it. But I was actually just talking to myself and I was like, I just don't know like where the top of this mountain is. Like I just feel I'm huh. drowning in edits. I'm drowning in like dailies. I, like I just, I. I don't even know where I'm going and I don't even know like why I could, why I started this. And I guess I'm just going to say to myself, like, don't stop. And then in a couple of months when I watch this, hopefully I will have gotten to the end. <laughs> so it was just really cool to watch it. Cause I was like, Oh, I made it cool. Like I actually, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was, I really completely cool. know what you mean. You know, that's, um, <laughs> that's really would be a valuable thing to share because when one watches these videos finished, not your vlogs, the actual you know, when one watches the running in place video, yeah, like you're just, I'm struck by actually how much of a finished complete work it is. It seems like the story you're telling, you made bold choices about sound. You made bold choices about, um, how you want that thing to look. And it all feels so pre, you know, I, I obviously Condola, you've seen the difference between the scripts that we shoot and the way Dave and I end up editing the show. So, you know, that I understand what happens in an editing room. Totally. Um, but, but it is, it's, it's incredible the way it's come off as though you went, you went in there intending it to be exactly this way. So it tells yeah. me you were pretty brave and ruthless in the editing room. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, totally. And I actually learned, you know, it's so crazy. I actually learned that I love editing. I didn't really realize this about myself. Like I didn't, like I said, it was my first time directing. So I didn't know. And I, and I think that that's something that I would encourage for other artists out there. You know, it's like, you got to just, Sometimes you really just got to put yourself in the shoes, you know, because I, I, I never, I, I had, I, I wasn't someone who was like, oh yeah, I'm a director. Totally. You know, I, I really never thought that was not something that I was like, oh, I have to do that. But then I had this vision and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to direct it. So it's like, you're not a director until you direct. And sometimes you just have yes. to like, trust yes. and just like, move into it. And then you might find like, oh shit, like I'm a director, you know, <laughs> so it's like, well, it's amazing yeah. that you had the, the confidence because, you know, with your Rolodex and, and accomplishments, you could have gotten anybody you wanted probably to direct it. And so the fact that you were like, no, I'm going to do this is really, again, super brave and cool. I was, you never came to Dave and me and asked us to direct an episode though. <laughs> cost because it was such a secret, right? You remember, I didn't tell you anything because that was also so hard is because like, you know, you knew you were one of the few people you and Dave, because I really yeah. didn't tell anybody. Like, you have to understand, like, even my best friend did not know. Like, my what do best you mean? friend, nobody Where knew. Did you literally nobody knew. Like, my mother knew, my my siblings knew, um, my dad knew, and then the people that were attached to the project knew. Other than that, literally nobody knew what like all of because that, that's what I was working on the whole all of 2019, right. like whenever I was in the trailer, if I wasn't going over lines, like I was trying to find, okay, I got to make sure I get this costume right. I got, like this is what I was working on the whole, all of 2019 and nobody knew, which was really You didn't hard. even tell Paulie, you didn't even tell Paulie G? I don't think Paul knew either. Paul knew that something was happening and that I was filming, but he didn't know what it was. Nobody knew what it was. Like right. nobody uh, knew I was Amazing, like I, I would have such a hard time keeping that quiet for myself. Obviously for you, I could keep it quiet, <laughs> but I'm saying if I was so in on that, it would have been, uh, I think, hard to keep it quiet. What was the power you, okay, so, but I always tell people, don't go to Thanksgiving dinner and talk out your dreams because your no. dream will never happen then. Yes, that, I'm I, so about that. That's so real, Brian. <laughs> yes, it really yeah. is. I always say that. And like, when you go into the, some people can go into the room and write and then tell people, hey, I'm going to be a writer. But for most people, it, it kills the dream because someone will say something, you'll get, uh, your confidence will lapse. So how did you come to this notion? No, I'm going to keep this secret. I'm going to keep it in and let all the pressure of that yeah. work on it, right? Yeah, totally. So you know what? I've actually always been like that. I was really strict about this one. But to be honest with you, I've actually always been like this. When Even when it came to auditions, the auditions that I like talked about, those were the ones I never got. The ones where I never talked about them and I just kind of like went into it with a certain level of, you know, just staying quite neutral those are the ones that I got, you know what I mean? So it was, it has something to do with, 
I mean, again, I'm a, you know, you know me, I'm a big, I'm big on energy. And I, and I really do feel that like, sometimes it's like, you just got to hold something close to you while you're manifesting it. You know, it's like people will yes. know once it's time for them to know, you know what I mean? It's like, cause you never know. You just never know. You never know like what someone else is thinking. They might put some energy on it that you don't even, you know what I mean? You just don't know. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. even if people don't love, even if people are like scared by the word energy, another way I would say it is like, when we have an idea like that, it's, 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 there's a, something fragile to the birthing of an idea, you know, uh, a, a creative, a creative idea and, and like a robin protecting an egg, you, you have to, to me, you got to sit on it and protect it and not let anything yeah. near it because even someone picking it up, because in what they think is going to be to rub it, they might break it and yes. you, there's no putting it back together again. Exactly. And so the more you can keep it close until it's strong and sturdy enough that you can handle the conversations, the better, but 100%. It's, it's, it's not easy as you get excited. Do you know what I mean? For me anyway, oh when I get, God, totally <laughs> totally. <laughs> because you know, you're going to want people. So, so I want to back up a little bit because you know, my experience of meeting you is I know now is like a typical, the way pe what happens for people. And I, cause this is the thing, right? I'm sitting in a chair and a day of auditions I'm um, seeing a lot of people walk in. They're none for the role you came in for. You're the only one. But, um, and I didn't really know who you, you know, I only know, knew you because I knew that Ahmad Rashad and Felicia's daughter went to the same school that my yeah. son went to, you know, yeah. years ahead. But that's all I knew about you really. And that you were a, a Broadway star. Like I didn't know you or know your work. I hadn't seen the first two shows you'd done. Like, um, mm -hmm. but then you walked into the room and the whole audition was four and a half or seven minutes, uh, two minutes of which we're probably talking about Fieldston. Uh, but, um, you know, I was just floored by your talent. And, and I just was like, well, Dave and I both, but we're just like, what, how is this Pollock? Who is this person? Just came in and, you know, we immediately said no more auditions. We were like, well, now that character's a regular on the show. Like the whole world kind of shifted around and... I've heard from so many different people that that's the experience they have of what happens when they run into your varied gifts. And I just always wonder, like, what does it feel like from the inside? Like, do you walk around and did you feeling like you have a superpower of sorts? Like, especially before you became like as well known, it's a talk about secrets. I mean, it's a hell of a secret to keep that you have all these capabilities, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, I'm really, again, it's like, and, and I'm not even trying to be, I don't know. It, it's actually, it, it, it continues to be really humbling to hear that because, uh, I mean, I think that I just always try to, I definitely try to walk into the room and, and, and do the, all I can think of is like, I walk in the room and I, and I give it my best shot. Like that's really, that's really what I do. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful that my best shot has been, you know, has been recognized and has been appreciated, you know, but really like, like all actors, I feel like I walk in I prepare and I give it the best that I got. And so. Sure. Somehow, yeah. Sure. But, but also you're the youngest person to ever have four Tony nominations. So you have to know that it's not just giving it like your best shot. Like you have to know that there's some magic that happens. Well, I have some questions about that. One, like when you were a kid, were you ever shy about your gifts? Like, uh, or were you always working on it? Cause that's the other, when someone recognizes, Hey, I love to sing and people like hearing me sing. Hey, I love to act and people like it. Some people, it just fires them up to keep working at it. And so what what was it like for you as that stuff sort of um, started to blossom in you? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I said, my first expression was a musician. So I actually trained as a classical pianist for like the first like 10 years of my artistry. So when I was a kid all the way through when I graduated from high school, that's actually really what I was doing. So even as an actor, um, I mean, every now and then I would do, a, I did a couple of school plays here and there. I always was like in the acting class at school, but it was actually not, it was not my main focus. My music was my main focus. And so when I graduated from high school, I felt, I knew that I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to express myself as an actor as well. And I felt that I needed the training. So that's why I went to school for acting instead of music. Um, but again, in, in my family, uh, and this all kind of roots back to my grandmother, who I just saw the other day, which was really nice. On what, your grandmother on which side? On my mother's side. On my yeah. mother's side. So my my grandmother is the she's the root of this tree. Uh, my grandmother is where my mom came from, where my aunt came from. You know, and so there's right. so, and, and everybody. It's weird. Like everybody that stems from her has some form of artistry, whether it's 
through painting, through drawing. Uh, my uncle's a jazz musician. Like it, everybody that comes from her, we, it's it's something that it, it does feel like it, it all kind of stems from her. So um, I can say that, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm always about the work. So I, as you know, like I'm, I'm very serious about work and I always believe that there's room for improvement. I always believe there's something to expand upon or to, 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 to learn, you know, I, I'm, I'm always about that. And also I think as a young person though, it wasn't a feeling of like, oh, like I'm going to work so super hard so I can become an artist. It was this understanding, like, no, I just am an artist and I'm, huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I just am. It's not even something that I became. I just, I just kind of am. This is part of. This is. I wouldn't even say it's a part of who I am. It, it really is just. It's how I walk through. It's how I'm walking through this life. So, um, so it, did, it, did I, your friends in school recognize that? Were you like, did you go do the talent shows and get up and sing and blow everybody away when when you were in a theater uh, theatrical production? Were you usually in the lead role? Like what? Uh, because- yeah, I did. I had, a, I had a couple of lead roles for sure, and and. Uh, but even like, for example, with my music and even with singing, actually my mom tells the story. My mom didn't know I could sing. I was like really? singing in my room all the time. She didn't know I could sing. And then I was in, I was in like the, the chorus one year. I think it was in the eighth grade. Yeah. And they had us singing Footloose. Like the chorus had to like <laughs> sing Footloose. And I had like a solo and my mom was like blown away. She didn't know. She didn't know that I could sing like that. Um, <laughs> so, so I, and I, to be, to, and also to be fair, like part of where space child comes from, um, I mean, well, space daughter, but really her nickname for me was space child. A lot of my development came when I was on my own. I spent a lot of time in solitude as a kid. I spent a lot of time in my room, uh, creating and developing. And I, so I spent a lot of, a lot of what you're seeing is, is something that I kind of did on my own. So a lot of people didn't quite know everything about me. No, I did a lot of it on my own. What do you mean you were spending a lot of time alone? I spent a lot of time alone as a kid. I mean, like I you would just come home from school and like go into your room and not yeah. hang out with people. Sometimes, yeah, I spent more time in solitude than I did with other kids. For sure. I mean, I had friends. Don't get me wrong, but like I wasn't really out. I I, I, <laughs> I had a very interesting uh, like life in high school where like I and I didn't even know that I was, but I was actually quite. I wasn't really out at parties. I didn't even know people were really having. I was just a space child, so I just I was kind of off in my own. <laughs> I was just kind of off in my own creative world for a lot of the time. Um, when I go back and look at my journals, and I I was playing the piano all the time, so I was kind of just in this artistic cloud for a lot of my uh, high school years. And um, so yeah, once I once I once I really graduated from college, and once I entered the world, that's when sure. people started to see me. But it was built on my own. When you were young, did you ever feel, because it's not just like you had one parent who was famous, but you know, uh, your, your father was famous to multiple, is famous to multiple generations of people. And your mother was one of the biggest television stars of the era. And yeah even though I guess most of your childhood was after her show was off the air. Is that right or wrong? Yeah. 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 I mean, I was born in 86. So yeah, there was like maybe two more years after that show. Right. Right. Um, So it was basically not, you know, when you were 10 years old, it was kind of in the past a little bit. Yeah. But, but your dad was on television, like, you know, all the time when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, my mom was too. I mean, the rerun, I mean, that was like, I never never watched it to be honest with you which is always people thought it was i was nuts because i never watched it but i was like why would i watch it my mom's standing right here (laughs) that's like mom overload i don't need to see her while she's standing in front of me like that's too much so um that's that's funny anna my daughter my son watches everything my daughter has that a pretty similar attitude about watching my stuff once (laughs) like if she's home and billions is on and there's nothing (laughs) maybe she'll but when i when i'm just like what what did you think of that? She's just like, oh no, it was great, Dad. I loved it. I'm like, oh, Anna. She's like, yeah. What do I want to watch that for? I know what you think about. <laughs> I know what much. you're. Yeah, it's it's but so I yeah, it's too, it's enough. But did you feel like sometimes? I think that kind of thing when you're young can be a burden. Like I'm sure now you got a huge kick out of your dad, like being on the biggest documentary of the year, which I'll ask you about. Like you know him yeah. once again surfacing is like you know so crucial in that story. But did you feel pressure at all from all that stuff or did it not hit you that way? Or did you think of it as like um, op- an opportunity or an obligation? No, I actually, it was kind of neither. It was kind of one of those things. Because again, that's what I mean. Like when I was growing up, I, I never, 
it wasn't this thing of like, oh, I'm, I need to be famous or anything. I just knew I was an artist. So I just was like, well, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I was very aware. Also, you have to understand my mother, when I was growing up, what she did, which was really, really helpful um, because she was very busy. And I think sometimes in those, in that kind of scenario, it could, it could turn into a resentment if the child feels like they're not a part of it or like, sure. you know, the mom missed out on their life because they were busy pursuing their career. So what my mom did was she pursued her career and then she did everything she could to make me feel involved. So like when she was on Broadway, whenever she was doing theater, because she was doing a lot of theater when I was a kid. Like that's what I really remember. Um, she, yeah. I was with her. So I was like in the rehearsal room. I was backstage. I was in tech rehearsals. So I was able to feel like I was a part of her success. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, she made me like her assistant. So like if she had to take a nap, you know, before before half hour, like I was in charge of getting her tea. I was in charge of making sure no one came in the room. Like So I felt very like protective oh, of my mom's artistry. So I appreciated her as an artist, not just as my mom, but like I, I was I was proud of her as the artist that she is. And I like wanted her to go farther because it was just very inspiring to me. So when I was growing up, what I saw, and even with my dad, like I saw how hard they worked. And so for me, I was just inspired and I knew. Oh, I love that. I yeah, love I, I mean, saw how hard they worked. And I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, because I think, again, sometimes in those kinds of scenarios, sometimes the children of, and I'm not speaking about anybody in particular, but it's just, this is what can happen. Sometimes children, um, you know, of parents that have made it very far can get very comfortable by their surroundings and not realize like how their parents got there. For yes. me, I was like very aware of like, oh, this is like, oh, like this, oh, this is how y'all got here. Okay. So this is the work I'm going to have to do. Got it. Like, you know what I mean? So I was just very, very inspired yes. and aware of the privileges that I had as a child because of how hard they worked for me. So I, right. I, like you would notice your father preparing for the show, like when he was doing yeah. the NBA show, oh, the way yeah. he would prepare. 100%. 100%. I, I, I watched my mom making dinner while, while going over her lines. I watched all of that. I saw all of it. I so, love that. Right. Yeah. So you just realized, well, okay, if I want this, I, it involves work, di digging deep. Yeah. Hard work. Uh, doing the hard work the whole time. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and so when did it start to shift for you from, I know you said college as you got to college, but 10 years of piano, you start singing publicly, that works well. How did you decide, wait, I really love this acting thing? Like this is- um, So I always knew that that was something that I wanted to do. And, and basically, like I said, like what I did was when I went to college, I realized like, okay, I've spent a lot of my life training in music, but, and not that every actor has to train. There are many actors who don't, you know, it's, everybody has their own journey, but I'm, I'm, I, I didn't have any ego about it. And I realized like, nah, there's, there's some habits I should probably go ahead and look at and break before, before I put myself out there. And I, and I felt that I wanted to train. I felt that I wanted to study because I actually hadn't studied. I hadn't, you know, I, I hadn't right. studied the Greeks. I hadn't studied Shakespeare. I, wa I wanted to know all that. So I was like, all right, uh, I'm, that's, that's what I'm going to go to school for so that I can actually like catch that skill up <laughs> um, so that I'm well-rounded and I you can, you know, both my music and acting can be solid. And then when I graduated from college, what happened was, is that um, I was very fortunate. I got, a, I got an agent right out of college. And a few months after I graduated from college, that summer, actually, I was, I was cast in my very first play, which was Lynn Nottage's Ruined. And that's how, I, that's how, that's how we're talking right now. Like, that was the play that, that, that started my professional career as an actor. How um, did you get cast? What happened? Well, that was a really, that, and that, oh, I actually, I love this story because it made me feel so validated and so good. So I, I got out of like, I, I, you know, again, I was like fresh out and again, I'm, I'm fresh out. So I'm already prepared to like, maybe not get an acting gig for a few years, like, or ever, you know, you never know. Like yes. I, I heard all kinds of stories. So I was ready to get another side job. I was ready for all that. And I got the call to go in for Ruined. And I was geeking out because Lynn Nottage was already one of my favorite playwrights because I had just uh, seen a, a production of Intimate Apparel. Um, and I had also just done another production of hers in college, like right before I went in for this audition. So I was like geeked out. Amazing. And I went in and we had to have a Congolese dialect, which I didn't actually have. <laughs> like I did not have. And I kind of just... Uh, like the week before I just like went online and I was like listening to different samples and I was like, all right, I think I do have an ear for language and, and for, yes. for, so I was like, all right. So I kind of just like gave it my best shot. And like, I went in and let's say, I think I went in about two or three times 
And then I got the call that I got it. And I think what, what, what validated me as an artist so early on, and this is also, you know, talk about pressure, you know, when we were talking about pressure from my parents or anything like yes. that, I never really felt that, but this is what like rooted me so hard. Lynn Nottage actually um, made the time to, to, she's, she's told the story before, but she's told me she didn't, when, when she cast me, she didn't know who my parents were until after oh, awesome. she cast me. And that was like so validating for me. Because that's all I ever want. Listen, if my if, if what course. I bring to the table is not what you want, then pass up. Don't don't hire me because of anything else other than what I bring to the table. That's what I've always wanted. One thing I can tell you for sure is nobody nobody gets hired to be a regular on a television series. <laughs> no, anywhere, right? Or get yeah. Scott Scott Rudin doesn't put somebody in as the lead of his um play prestige play of the season because they're anybody's daughter yeah. or son. Um, yeah. you can get an audition because you're the son of somebody or the daughter of somebody like a casting director will see you. That's the leg up that you get. I think anyway, is that yeah. the leg up is you, you can get in the room, but yeah. what you do once you're in the room, Condola is entirely up to you. And I think sometimes it counts against you. Like, yeah. as I said, 100%. So I, I, I would have probably, I mean, I don't know what I thought in the moment before you walked another, cause I'd always heard nice things about you from Fieldston world but like you know someone could think oh well this is going to be a spoiled person or this is you know what yeah. I mean? you could think a million things not you definitely don't think oh this is going to be the hardest working person right that's not what you think of some successful people's kids generally yeah um, i know yeah so i think it counts it does both it does both things so you got cast in that role were you nervous then when it started when rehearsals 100%. started i mean i'm telling you i got that i got that show and at first i was super excited and then i remembered like I, I like went through the show again and I was like, wait, what is that? What do I have to do right now? Like, wait, what world am I going into right now? Like, whoa, you know, because also that was the other thing too, that which is what a lot of people also don't know, is that like so in college, like when I was studying acting, my comfort zone was always comedy. I was always picking right. scenes. Well, you have great comic timing. Come on, that's something you have a huge gift for that. Yes. <laughs> So, but like, that's always been my comfort zone. So like the first play being ruined, I was like, well, I guess yeah. that's on hold. <laughs> like, right. No, you had to just go do your thing. Of course. <laughs> you know? So, um, but it was, it was, um, it was like one of the most incredible journey. I mean, it's to this day, someone was actually just posting um, the black woman on Broadway handle on Instagram just was posting pictures from it. And I was just like, really, I just got super nostalgic and I was like, oh, wow, sure. like that was like 11 years ago. Like I was like a true baby. I was like 21 years old. Like it was, Amazing. and I just look at it and I'm so grateful for that because I, to have been part of that production, that, that man, like that play is, Lynn Nottage is a genius. And that play was like beyond anything that I could have ever imagined to have been a part of, especially straight out the gate. Like that set the bar really high in terms of the kinds of experiences um, that I had as an actor, you know, so I, I just, yeah, it was, and then from then on, it just was a, you know, yeah, of course, kind of well, I want to talk about how your life changed from that, but I, I want to ask you this about, about, cause of something you once said to me about Joan. Yeah. Um, and I think you said publicly too, which is, uh, can you just talk a little bit about what it feels like to you when you begin to understand a role? Because I know you've done, as you just talked about, you wanted to train, you wanted to gain craft, but I have heard you talk about sometimes trying to just let it happen, let the part, yeah. let, so can you talk about this, if there's a tension between those two ideas or how you synthesize those two ideas of consciously going about understanding the craft, but then allowing yes. the energy to take you over. Cause you do talk about that a lot. Yeah. Creative sphere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is, I think it absolutely, absolutely is a, a beautiful marriage between those two when I'm working on a, when I'm working on a piece. Um, and often what I do is, I look into the I look into the world first. I learn about the world, the world being the character, the circumstances surrounding the character. That that is where I start. So I go pretty deep into that just so I know like what the constructs are. Right. And then when you know what they are, then you can let them go because you've built a really strong foundation. You know what I mean? Like you you you've built a certain level of understanding. So then you go so far into that that it, when it comes time to actually perform it, because that's been the way that you've been working, you can kind of allow that, like you got to allow that to now, you got to trust that that's in you now 
And so yes. that, that will come through. And now you have to just go. So now you have to just be in the moment. But when you've done the work, it allows for that. Whereas, like, okay, so for example, even with billions, like there are some actors that, you know, uh, are like, you know, they're cool with just like get on the spot and, and like, you know, just saying the lines and then going in. For me, how I'm able to find freedom, even with Kate Sacker, is like I have to sit with it for a while. I have to like dig into it. And then I have the freedom. Whereas if I just try to like get in there and do it right away, I'm actually not super grounded because I haven't actually learned the circle. I haven't actually learned the world yet. So it's like, it feels like you want to be super free in that. But it's like, I don't put this. It's almost like learning the learning the rules so you can break them kind of a thing. It's kind of what yes. it's like. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're, you're bathing yourself in all of that, in all that stuff. You're like submerging yourself almost in all the information. And then there's an act of sort of just like blasting free of that bath and being able to just be who you are, but you've already been, you've been soaked in it. So shaking it off is fine. Exactly. Um, I would say the word would be surrendering. Yeah. It's so it's, it's, Oh, that's a great word. Yeah. It's a moment of surrender afterward. Totally. Yeah. So is that when it feels the best to you when you actually experience that kind of surrender into it? Yeah. That's it's highly gratifying, and it and it comes from doing the work, right? That's the beautiful part is it comes from the the deep dive that so you feel free and almost there's a, it's weird. There's like a level of security in the insecurity of it. You know what I mean? It's very it's you well, feel- yeah. I'm, I remember I remember seeing Dollhouse too, and then seeing Joan, and both. You know, you were obviously excellent in both and nominated for both. Doll's House had this kind of surgical precision in it because of the form. To me, it seemed, yeah. I don't know if this relates to, resonates to you. The form kind of demanded something of, of you, which, you know, a certain, a very specific sort of, I don't know, formalism in some way. Whereas uh, Joan, it just felt to me, I mean, I thought that was one of the great performances I've ever seen on a stage. And, and, yeah. and there was an openness to what you did and, a freedom that in the audience you felt like this person and it's always strange when you see someone you know pretty well do this kind of thing because you can usually see the person i'm sure you've had that experience thousands of times you know you see your friend or someone you work with you see the person doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. but in joan it felt to me like there was no space between you and joan and um i might have caught a very good like a very good (laughs) night no wow Thank you. But you yeah, came I, a matinee too. Wow, that's yeah, cool. it was a matinee, but it was no, it was true. It was a matinee, but it just really like I remember walking around the city and and just trying to really understand what was going through your head when you were doing it, and and then realizing probably the whole idea was not to be in your head and just to yeah. let the thing go. Mm-hmm. But like for example, even with Joan, how I was able to do that is because I I um about a couple of months before we went into rehearsals, I actually put the play aside. And I just studied the actual Joan as if I were writing a thesis on her. So I like almost pretended I wasn't even going to play her. And I just like learned everything I possibly could about the person, not because I was going to necessarily portray that exactly, but just to know, just, just to know like what, who she was, what was around her, what was actually happening, what we know are facts, what we know are not. But, you know, just learning all that when I walked into the room to create the character, I had that as a foundation. You know what I mean? So it's like certain lines where I was like, okay, I don't know where that line comes from. But then actually, because I've done the research and because I remember that person said that about her personality, I would imagine, you know what I mean? So it, it's like a puzzle. It's like, okay, cool. It helped me, helped me to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that makes complete sense. What was the then rehearsal process with other actors? Like, like I've been in, you know, when, sometimes people get hyper analytical about the text. Sometimes people just are concentrating more on where they want to move or how they want to move. What, and something like that, where the whole thing is really, you're working with a director, there's, but where the yeah. whole thing is, is, is centered on you, on this experience you and your character are having. What, what is that rehearsal process like as you're, like as you're going through this, um, this intellectual process and then this process of casting off the intellectual ideas? How does yeah. a rehearsal take place? Uh, again, you know, it, like you said, I think it really depends on the tone that the director sets. Right. And so like, for example, with Joan, it was, a, it was, it was an absolute joy because Daniel Sullivan was so, he had such a great, like, I, I honestly, particularly with St. Joan, I think that's a very, it's a, you got to go into it with a very, the way he went into it, which I really appreciate, which is what allowed us to find what we found 
was he came into it from a neutral standpoint of possibility. I think there are some directors that will approach that work and their whole thing will be to make Joan be crazy and be, make it seem like just, just hard gone. Right. Like, they have a, oh, I mean, they have a point, they have a point of view. Uh, uh, yeah. Joan was not really talking to God. Joan exactly. is crazy. Exactly. And then the other side is someone who's like super religious, who's might be trying to yes. put, you know, so there's two, those are the two extremes, right? So Daniel came in like, let's just see, like literally he would just say that. Like, I mean, let's just, let's just go into the text and see, like, let's just see. Let's just see. And that was always our thing is like, I, my thing with Joan was not to try and inform anybody as to what to think, but to actually just go on the journey and let everybody co go away with it, whatever they go away with it. With. Did, that, did that mean certain part. nights? Did that mean certain nights she was hearing the voice of God and certain nights she wasn't hearing the voice of God? Or did you make a decision that was your private decision and play that every night? I played that every night because that's what that's what she claimed. So that was her truth. That was her truth. And so I played her truth. Right. So you yes. can, you know, everybody can can walk away with whatever they walk away with. But that was her truth. So that's the truth that I decided to take on um, because that felt that that felt to be the story of Joan, essentially. You know, yeah, the certainty, the uh, the what's well, funny, you know, we started by talking. About, I mean, the. The the optimism of Joan while Joan is seeing the horror is amazing. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and yes. and makes you believe that she's hearing. So, you know, even a one hundred percent. Her conviction and her yeah, one hundred percent. And 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 again, I, every time I because again, I I came up across a lot of uh, interesting interviews during that time because I actually think the way that I portrayed her made certain people uncomfortable, which I thought was very interesting. Oh, uncomfortable? How? I, I'm, okay, so I think because I didn't play her as like someone who was just batshit crazy, people didn't know what to do with that. Like there were certain people that were like, oh, that's interesting. Like, and just had a, you know, a wonderful night at the theater and, you know, might've just been cool with the possibility, but there are some people who like need her to be crazy or else they don't know what to do with themselves. Like they don't know what to do with the possibility. You know what I mean? Like, no, they, it's funny because, you know, yeah. I'm a dyed in the wool atheist, but I, I, yeah. <laughs> I but, but it didn't matter. Right. I right. was in the moment in the theater. Of course I'm open to the possibility. Right. That, that this person was connected to this thing and this person is trying so desperately to, I mean, it, it's so beautiful because this person is trying so hard to give us this gift that we are unable to take. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she never gives up really on this idea the way, as, as you portrayed her. And it's much more powerful for me to think of her as whether she actually heard that voice, not being crazy, like whether the voice came from yeah. above or whether it was something in her that um, that demanded we be better, that yeah. was good enough for me watching the show. Totally. You, you, know, totally. you know? Yeah, totally. So and, that, I'm glad that you had that experience, you know, because again, everybody comes from different walks of life and that, and that story really is for everyone. It, you know, I'm, not, I'm personally not a religious person either. Um, spiritual, yes, but I'm not a religious person. So that was also my goal is to be able to tell the story in such a way that whatever your belief systems are, you can just come in and, and receive the story. You know, that, that, that's always how I come about stuff. I'm not a big pusher of, you know, I don't like to push. I, I have this really, um, this thing that I have with, especially, and even with Space Daughter, like with, with my art in, in particular, I like to, I never like to stand in front of my artwork. Like I believe like my, I, when I put myself into my art, all of my identities that goes into my art. Right. But I don't, I have a thing about like never wanting to stand in front of it. I just want to offer it to you. And like, however you take it, uh, that's how you take it. You know, I don't like to direct people how to receive what it is that I'm offering. <laughs> oh man, we should have totally given that line to Frank Grillo's character, Tanner. This shit's such a good line for an artist to say. It's so true. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? This idea of not, like, let the art be there. It doesn't yeah, have to be me. Let the art yeah yeah just Let look at the, don't look yourself. at me look at the don't look at me look at the thing it's yes. all in there everything yes. i can er, i put it all there yes um, that is my that is my spirit though all the time and, and i and i struggle with that because i think we're used to especially in this day and age i think more so uh, we're used to seeing we're used to this kind of explain to me everything that I need to know about your art. And it's like, no, 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 yes. <laughs> here. <laughs> you explain to me what you received from it. You know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 yes. I, I, I am offering this to you. So I, I'm not going to tell you how to eat the food. You decide how you want to eat the food. I just put it on the table. <laughs> oh, I love that. There's something very Buddhist about that too. It's, um, <laughs> to the extent that I understand Buddhism correctly. But yes, that's awesome. Uh, um, is it is it hard or easy for you to, like when you're doing something like that 
when you're done? Well, I guess this is the question I want to ask. What do you get out of theater that you don't get out of these other things? Or is it all the same thing, just different sides of it? Um, It is all the same energy, just different sides of it. But I will say like the experience of theater, there is something where like you get the time to, and I won't say perfect it because I don't, I don't know that I believe in that, but you get the time to, I always say, what, what do I always say about like theater versus like, uh, oh man, what was it? It was like. Well, actually, I don't know that it makes that much sense. I'm not going to say that anymore. But like, <laughs> I just had to think about it. I was like, oh, it's not quite that. But like theater to me is very much like sculpture where like you have the time to like, okay, like that didn't quite roll. Let me try it again tomorrow. Like, let me try it again the next day. So there is something about the repetition of it that yeah. feels very meditative. And like, and also you get the time to really like dig, 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 dig. And also... It's it's like sand art. I do say that theater is kind of like sand art in the sense where it's like you create it, and then after after a curtain call, like it blows into the wind. Like you can come again yes. tomorrow, but it's not going to be what you saw last night. So I do like the element of um, it's weird because it has this sense of finality because you do it all the time, but then because you only do it once a night, like it's not final. So it has both of those elements to it, you know. Um, whereas like film and television, once it's out, like it's final, you can't go back and like oh make that. No, make it's it. true. Yeah, so you yes. can't really. It's a little bit more locked in, right? No, I always say I have one friend who who is someone I really respect, really, 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 really smart person, and he loves billions. He watches each episode two or three times, but he will send me like a text on Mondays and I'll go, what a great episode. I love this. I love this. I would just change this one moment. And I'm like, dude, I, I couldn't, six months ago is when I needed to know that. I can't, there's nothing I can do now. And it's maddening, you know, because I like <laughs> at this point, you know, if you come to the editing room, if you want, but don't, don't give me that now. It's not, right. it's not helpful, but yes, <laughs> that's be done. Um, yeah. There's nothing that can be done as a, uh, uh, finale, but okay. Same question about the music. Yeah. Condola. What is it that you get out of, I mean, I imagine this was such an immersive creative project that it's yeah. everything. It's all of it together, but talk a little bit about it. What is it about this that it, that it called to you in such a way that you had to devote so much to it, including like your own money that you worked really hard to save, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I produced it for sure. Um, <laughs> which I knew was a gamble and I had people being like, uh, you might want to put a down payment on a house. And I was like, well, the house that I'm putting a down payment on is my work right, right now. <laughs> That's the house that I'm investing in at the moment. And I had to just trust. Um, but, you know, again, my thing was if, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have been able to make it this way. And I knew that too. Like no record label was going to allow me to do it this way. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do it myself. Anyway, but um, the point the point of that being for, for music, music for me is, again, I think it's because it's my first expression like even as an actor, I I approach my acting work through music often. Like most of the characters, actually I realized this, I don't think Kate has one, which I just probably should fix that. But most of the, the characters that I've done on stage have all been built through music. What I mean is like, they all have a playlist, which like, not, and nobody right. ever knows what's on them. But like, I have, I have like a list of playlists from over the years that have been for these different characters that I've played. So for me, like music is, I, I would say, oh, this is interesting. As an artist, I would say music is my first language. Sure. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's my first language. And so, uh, it's weird because it's not even like, what do I get that I don't get from anywhere else? It's just, it just is my first language. And so like, it, it's what calls to me the strongest really. Um, and I don't really have an answer for it. It just does. Like I, I could be in, and I don't know why this is. Um, and even like while I was creating this music, I think now, you know, my teammates, they, they started to understand my style of how I create music because I'm very, like, for example, how I write lyrics is not necessarily the same way that a lot of other people write lyrics where, like, I didn't actually sit down and say, like, I want to write a song about this or, like, I want to write a song about that. I just created the music and then I, I've listened to the music for, like, sometimes for what is a long time and I kind of have to allow the music to tell me what it wants to be about. So, like, the energy or, like, the style or whatever I feel from the music is what I the completely understand that. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I write a lot of songs and, and yeah. often... Often what I'll do, so sometimes someone, if I'm going to go write with someone, I know mostly I'm going to write lyrics, but I have, I, I will sort of just to do it, I'll just sort of get a guitar in my hands. Even if I'm not going to write the eventual music on the song, I, 
I have to let the music, the same thing. I have to kind of let the music lead me a little bit in how I want, even if then I'm going to give the lyric to somebody without music and say, Hey, what do you think musically? Let's work. I, it, there's something about the way those things are connected that it's hard to just write them in. Sometimes a line will come to me and I'll get the line first, but then yep. still I'm always then going to go right to a guitar and start fucking around with it yep. and then seeing how it really lives. Right. It's weird. Yeah. It's, uh, I and, feel you. <laughs> I agree. I agree about music. Um, nothing quite feels the same as when you're singing or playing music, even for someone like me, who's not nearly on your level of it. It still is like, it hits a different, very, very primal place for me of, of connection to something that's been going on for all of civilization's time. Yeah. 100%. Dare I say, pun intended, it strikes a different chord. <laughs> no, it does. And as you know, there are no puns on billions, but it's a podcast, so I can't stop you. Horrible. Hey, um, what? I just have a few questions before we before we go. Um, what's your, okay, because of your amount of energy and your early mornings, what is your morning routine like? Like, what do you do to get, what does Condola Rashad do to get herself ready and focused for the day? That's a really good question. I mean, I will say since the pandemic has hit and since quarantine has hit, it's, it's been a really interesting journey, like rediscovering what that is. Um, but no matter what, it it does involve like I um, I meditate. I meditate pretty much every yep. day um, for like an hour. Um, I, and I, I grew to that 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 amount. I started at like yes. five minutes and then I just like increased. And that has really proven uh, really grounding for me. So that's definitely a part of my, my routine. And then um, normally I also do, um, I have this like workout routine that I have, um, which is like a, it's kind of like a high, what do you call it? High intensity, high, what is it? High yeah, hit, hit, high intensity interval, yeah, interval training. training. Yeah, exactly. But it's based off of yoga. So I have that. Um, and normally I would really, normally when, you know, we were not in a quarantine setting, I, I, yoga is really really big for me um um but then also like a big part of my <laughs> big part of my my life uh, again these past couple weeks has been a little challenging but normally i wake up really really early in the morning because that's the only way i can get everything done because i actually do yes. get a lot of like a lot of the personal things that i do for myself in the morning so like meditating for an hour versus five minutes like that's <laughs> a lot of time um and then also normally i also practice it i, I was practicing italian for like what I was trying to be always at least two hours a day. Now it's like an hour, but like for a while there. So in order to fit all that in there, I had to get up at like six in the morning. Yeah, of course. So by, by 10. Okay, your I ability with Italian is just amazing. So inspiring <laughs> to us. We love giving you different languages to do. Oh, but I then, it. It's so fun. I love language so much. I just like, I'm, I'm just such a language geek. I, and actually wasn't really good at it in, in high school, but like, I don't know. I, I just, it, I find it so brilliantly connecting. I love it. It's a true magic power to me because I'm bad at languages. I'm good at accents. I can, I have a great ear, but I am terrible at learning languages. It's just like a learning issue for me. And so I find it to be completely magical. Like there's nothing I like more than watching you be able to flip around in language. It's crazy. Insane. <laughs> um, all right. A couple of little silly things. Uh, yeah. Do you wish you would have seen your dad play football? Yes, totally. Like, and I felt bad too, because when I was growing up, I, I wasn't a big sports person. Um, I didn't really watch a lot of sports growing up. I watched, I watched, you know, I watched uh, during like the Chicago Bulls golden age. I was watching those, but I didn't really get into football until much later. And uh, let's see, like about a couple of years ago, um, the Vikings honored my dad and they like raised his jersey into the Raptors. And we went to Min we went to Minnesota and they had this like ceremony for him. And I was really moved. That actually brought to tears because they played all of his, um, um, all of his. Um, what's the word on the receptions? For? Like his receptions and yeah, touchdowns they, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they played. They played all Not of just, it, and, and so I was able to like. I was looking at it, and I'm like, highlights. oh, yeah, thank you. That's the word, highlights. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, they played all of his highlights to show you how much of a sports person I am. Yes. Like, what's it called? <laughs> um, That's awesome. So, um, but I was like moved and brought to tears because I was like watching it, and I was like, wow, like. Dad, did you know you were a superhero? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I mean, I remember him so, so clearly because he was just, that team was incredible. And I, I, you know, later on it was weird because I, I know you know that he and my dad were always friendly. They would sometimes go to Nick games together, which I, yeah. I, I, but as a, as a child, your dad was a superhero. And um, <laughs> then when I would meet him sort of later, if he played golf with my father, or they were at a thing, it would be like, oh, fascinating. That's, that, that's, 
you know, the guy was on TV, but also was that, that, um, you know, this incredible, beautiful football player, just uh, amazing. And, yeah. and somehow, somehow he was able to protect himself enough that he's still like so smart and thoughtful. Like he doesn't seem like it, I'm sure his body must be injured in ways we don't see, but he doesn't see you know, at all. Brian, you know, Brian, you bring up a good point because actually we noticed that when we went to that ceremony in Minnesota, a lot of his um, old huh. teammates, they got up and they spoke and we were like, wow, like, some of these guys, you can tell, like, well, they, they've yes. been through it. Like, they've been hitting the head a lot. Like, yeah. Like, you know, they're both both mentally and physically, you could tell that, you know, the work that they had done and taken a toll on them. So I'm just super grateful that, my, yeah, his body is, is definitely and, – and he, you know, he's like – he works out every day. He's he's still together. But, yeah, his, his body's taking a big hit. He's got a lot of replacements and – you know, a lot of a lot of ailments for sure, but but he's, he he he's sat with uh, he sat with my friend Bomani Jones the other day, and uh, he told Bomani that he he never misses anything you do. He watches everything. And he's obviously <laughs> so proud of you. Loves you so much, which is yeah. awesome. Uh, you bring it's him funny. so much pride. Yeah, we like, and that that was also the funny part too. With, with like with my dad, I think my dad also had like a really awesome like proud moment after they put his his jersey because the whole family all of a sudden got like very invested in his highlights, and so we were like, <laughs> like, like we like I remember like I called him and I was like, Dad, I just need to talk to you about this hail mary real quick. Like, what? Because <laughs> like, we kept watching it. We're like, Yo, like he just he literally just like very gracefully put his hand out and like just like it, like we yeah, were like incredible. taken aback by it and. But it's so funny talking to him because he's trying to play it so cool. Like we were like, Dad, like okay, so like when you run it, like I mean, there's literally no time left on the clock. Like you you go out there and it looked like you just kind of like looked and just moved your hand and then you got it. Like what were you thinking? And he was like, he had the nerve. He was like, Well, I mean, I knew I was gonna catch it. I mean, I just I just was running and I, you know we put it up <laughs> and I caught it. And I'm like, Dad, like stop playing it down, like. Oh, that's too cool. Well, I guess yeah, professional athlete, man. Um, and uh, all right, la last. Oh, actually, wait. I have one yes. funny story for right. you. Like, yeah, okay, do it. Five years ago, this is hilarious. Because mind you, like I'm not. Uh, uh, I ran track in high school. I wasn't very good at competitive sports because I'm not very competitive. So even right. my dad would like come and watch me in soccer games and be like, "Yeah, she, this is not going to be." <laughs> Right. I would avoid the ball. I was like, I don't want to be responsible for the loss or the win. It's funny. We've always wanted to shoot Kate Sacker running because you told us once that you kind of run like your dad. Yeah. So we have thought it would be great to see Kate on like having to take off after somebody. But yeah, what what happened five years ago? So, so like five years ago, my friends and I, like we were in the park and they wanted to play touch. play. Well, actually it kind of turned into like a touch tackle, but they wanted to play football. And I was kind of like, I mean, okay, I'm not really like, don't get excited. You know right. <laughs> Like, I know how to run. I'm not super whatever. So I was like, all right, out of respect, I think I have to be the wide receiver. Out of respect, <laughs> that's yeah. what happened right now. And I actually called my dad after this game because I was screaming. I caught like seven passes and scored like seven touchdowns. <laughs> oh, really? You just yeah. have the skill? It's yeah, just in you? It happened, but it would always happen like soup. It would just be the air, the ball. I would see the ball flying in the air and I would like leap into the air and catch it and score another touchdown. And I was like, dude, like, I think you passed on the magic. Like, I think I'm a wide receiver without even. Oh, knowing. that's unbelievable. He must have loved that. He must have just <laughs> yeah. thought that was hilarious. Hey, were you uh, were you as caught up in the Jordan documentary as everyone else? Uh, yeah, I was late to it because I'm just late to everything. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, I was so happy to see him so highlighted and and i just I, i'm just really proud of my dad and and yeah, also and mr jordan as well who i grew up with um kind of as like an uncle figure so i just i, I just you still <laughs> call him miss wait if you if you saw michael tomorrow you would call him mr jordan yeah i always call him mr jordan <laughs> that's the best thing ever that is yeah. really just phenomenal yeah. okay last question do you really believe in horoscopes yes okay but hold on let's talk about it because this is the thing <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing what I mean by believing in horoscopes, right? Yes. There are no rules. This is not a rule book. It's just a guide. Like certain people born in this time, if you look at it, you probably notice they're like, they might have certain things in common because of their horoscope. Now, there might be other people are people though. So you're your own person. You're not governed by this. I am a queen of Sagittarianism. Okay. So like I believe in it because I am like... <laughs> absolutely the epitome of a Sagittarius, right? And all my friends who are born as a Sagittarius, I'm like, yeah, I, yes, you are. Like, so again, 
I think it's just a matter of, I don't think it's something that everybody needs to be into. I think that some people can see the patterns and some people cannot. Some people utilize it. Some people don't. You know what I mean? It, it, it's all for whatever you want to do. I personally- I love this. Yes, you do. I lo- You know what I love? I love this idea that some people can see the patterns because if anyone can, that's <laughs> the thing in all of this stuff is that Condola Rashad can. Yeah. That's clear. <laughs> I unfortunately, I just can't. Uh, people can find you on Twitter um, at what, what name are you under on Twitter? I think it's Dola Bunny. They can find uh, Space Daughter everywhere online and the mm. videos are incredible and they should watch them. Um, <laughs> and uh, they can watch you when we finally get back to shooting again as Kate yeah. Sacker. Yes, um, yeah. Billions. All right, Condola Rashad, thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, It was really Great cool to talk talking to you. to you. Yeah. I hope I get to see you soon, Dola. I really do. I know. We'll be back. <laughs> hey, uh, all right, everybody. Uh, you can find me at Brad Kaufman. We'll see you next time. <laughs>